Let us pray together. God of our waiting and God of our present, reveal yourself to us this morning in a new way as we approach this old, old story of light and love. Through Christ we pray. Amen. As we gather this morning, I cannot help but wonder how we are already here. I remember on the first Sunday of Advent gathering with you in communion and feeling disoriented because we were barely out of the Thanksgiving fog. It felt like we were stumbling into Advent. And now it's December 22nd. How did that happen? The candles of hope and peace and joy and just minutes ago love are now lit. The majority of our Highland Advent traditions are behind us, save this hour of worship and Christmas Eve. The kids' Polar Express-themed days and winter concerts are complete. We are a full two days into winter break from school. Yay! Travel has begun and family has started to arrive. At our house, a tree of bells is counting down the days, and we are at the tip-top. Only two bells remain, and then the star. It's a strange reality to be right at the edge of experiencing what you've been waiting for for so very long. In our text this morning, the prophet Isaiah tells us about a particular interaction with King Ahaz. We pick up the story in verse 10, but there is some important context that the lectionary leaves out by beginning here. In the verses before this, we learn that kingdoms are in conflict and Jerusalem has been invaded in an attempt to remove Ahaz from the throne. The invading kingdoms have the goal of replacing Ahaz with someone who would join a political alliance against Assyria without asking too many questions. We learn that the attempt to take the city of Jerusalem failed. But in the telling of it, you can tell that Ahaz doesn't yet know the result of this attempted takeover. The context of uncertainty and trouble and chaos and crisis in the kingdom is real making a clear path for fear to set up camp. Verse 10 is where we pick up the story as God invites Ahaz to ask God for a sign of God's presence. And not just a tiny sign, but one that can range from the depths of Sheol to the heights of heaven. It is a nearly boundless sign, a massive sign, a God-sized sign that is offered, and yet Ahaz refuses to ask. The next verse has piqued my curiosity as I've sat with this text. You might have heard me chuckle under my breath as I read it earlier. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? As if to say, just ask God for some comfort already. What are you waiting for? Why is Isaiah annoyed with Ahaz's response? Is Ahaz refusing to accept God's comfort out of misguided piety? Confusion? 
The paralyzed thinking from fear and not yet knowing how this iteration of the story ends. Does Ahaz trust God? Whatever the reason, it remains a mystery. And here's the key. Despite Ahaz's refusal to ask, Isaiah tells us that God has initiated a sign of comfort and peace and hope and love in their midst anyway. Can we fully comprehend what it means for God to initiate a sign of comfort and peace so large in the face of Ahaz's deep fear? And not a fleeting sign, but an already pregnant young woman who will give birth to a child whose very name in a culture where names have deep meaning and purpose, will claim, with us is God, as a constant reminder that God is among them, navigating all that life brings. Patricia Toll writes about this name, saying, when this child is named by his mother, she is echoing Jerusalem's confidence, showing herself to be a daughter of Jerusalem, taking her stand in the midst of crisis, exhibiting a trust that will be confirmed by circumstances before her son reaches even a few years of age. I find this so powerful. The repercussions of a city invaded not fully known to Ahaz and his people, and yet this unnamed, unknown, young, pregnant woman in the story trusts and bestows the name upon her child, with us is God. Thank God that God is not too wearied by humanity's foibles and fears to remind us of God's love and presence when it is needed most. With the words of the prophet Isaiah in our mind, we are invited today to begin shifting our focus from the waiting to the reality, from the looking forward to the being present, from the longest night into the dawn. In fact, in our gospel text, Joseph's story is told entirely in the future tense until the last ten words. She had born a son, and he named him Jesus. That's it. That's the entire birth story. From waiting to arrival in ten words. I'm betting Mary and Joseph would would have elaborated on that birth story just a little bit. There might have been more to tell. But maybe Matthew's extreme economy of words version is onto something. Life happens fast sometimes. Bones break, graduation tassels move from one side of the hat to the other in seconds, the phone rings and test results come, wrapping paper carefully shrouding presents is shredded in seconds. We light the Christmas candles and then we blow them out and go on to choose our guiding word, fill in our calendar logistics and make our resolutions for the new year. Life goes on. I wonder if Joseph felt similarly. It's a different time, a different day, a different season of unrest. I imagine Joseph certainly feels fearful as the plans for he and Mary seem to be off course. And then a dream comes, a powerful dream, an invitation to stay, to sit at the edge of God's initiation of a sign of comfort and peace and love 
so large, even in the face of deep fear. And not a fleeting sign, but an already pregnant young woman who will give birth to a child whose very name in a culture where names have deep meaning and purpose will claim with us is God as a constant reminder that God is among them, navigating all that life brings. Perhaps this is what is meant by prophecy. Not prediction of a future event in any specificity to be fulfilled. Certainly, Isaiah could not have imagined this future. But perhaps prophecy here is more of a vision. The reminder that God's freedom to be present to us is a freedom that God chooses and God initiates. A freedom to be love and show love and share love that we might know it in the deepest and most important ways. A freedom to name clearly and directly, with you is God, or with you I am. And this time, it is through Jesus, human and divine, God-stirred and walking among us. I can't imagine trusting all of this from a dream, and yet Joseph does. Joseph sets aside plans based on social convention as the definition of love becomes a powerful preposition, with. Through all of the fear, uncertainty, confusion, and crisis, Joseph inspires us as he sets all else aside and begins trusting with, walking with, journeying with, laboring with, welcoming with. Naming with this little one who is love made flesh. As an older child, I remember that moment when you're going to bed at night and the nightlight is on and you turn it off and you cannot see your hand in front of your face. Do you remember this? Maybe you felt it yesterday. It's this unique moment where blackness and darkness surrounds you and you cannot see. But within a few moments, my pupils would widen, and I'm a, I love science, so those rods and cones in the back of your eyes are doing their job, and the rods would take over, allowing you to see in black and white the outlines of the furniture and the general shape of my room. It wasn't full color, of course, and I couldn't read a book in that dimness, but it was enough to remind me that my eyes would adjust and adapt to the tiniest bit of light available to me. Within a few more minutes, it would be clear, and what is known as dark adaptation would have allowed my eyes to adjust to this new level of light. I could see in the dark. There was no need to fear as I learned to trust that in this transition, this 10 or 15 minutes, fear was going to be transformed over that time into curiosity and even awe. When our eyes adjust, love that is with becomes clear. It may not ever feel quite like enough as we walk through this life. It might even feel small or like nothing at all. But it is powerful beyond measure. And it is why we are called to practice it, walking with others and allowing them to walk with us. 
It is why God reminds God's people of it so very often, through Isaiah, through Joseph, and through each other. The freedom to be present comes when we too trust with us is God. The freedom to be present comes when fear shrinks and awe crescendos. And in so doing, we become inspired to become bearers of that same powerful love too. Solidarity with, listening with, dialoguing with, sitting with, standing with, being with, checking in with, grieving with, patient with, vulnerable with, growing with, working alongside with. Show us the face of Emmanuel in our time, one prayer I read this week said. Move us from fear to awe, we pray. Whether that movement from fear to awe takes an entire Advent season, or just a few days between now and Wednesday morning, or an entire lifetime, or if it seems like it might not ever happen at all, may the outline of the shape of God's love emerge into focus as a recognition of hope and peace and joy and love through the light of the one who is God with us. Amen.